Well, how many of you were taught about the tooth fairy when you were growing up as a child? Okay, let's be real. Uh, how about Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny? All right. Uh, what about the Great Pumpkin? Anybody here confess to the Great Pumpkin? Well, how many of you were taught that you should always wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident? <laughs> well, folks, let me tell you, there are certain myths out there that we've all kind of grown up with, and most of these things are frivolous, they're funny, and they're really harmless. But some of them can be hazardous to your life. And they can rob you of your joy. And some myths out there that people embrace can really cause you a lot of unnecessary uh, fear and stress. It can cause you to lose sleep. And in fact, some of these myths that people tend to embrace can come with it some nagging depression, if you will, and lead you away from God. And so your beliefs have a fundamental impact upon your life. What you believe, what you embrace, that operating system in your life can really have great consequences and be profound. Here's an example. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Now, have you ever heard that myth? It sounds good. It sounds like a wonderful slogan. Or maybe this one, different strokes for different folks. Or maybe you got your belief, I've got mine. And you know, the problem with many of these kinds of beliefs that it seems that so many people have embraced is they're really absurd. They're so self-destructing and self-refuting. I remember here some time back, Kelly and I were on our way to an appointment and she was in our white van that we owned at the time and I was in the burgundy bullet. And I was following along and we got a little traffic uh, congestion, and so I got stopped at the light, and she continued on. And after the light uh, changed and, and I continued on, I saw a white van up front, and I started following it. But you know what? I went several miles out of the way thinking it was her, and it was actually another white van. She had turned off, and I was about 20 minutes late to our appointment once I realized. But I was sincere, and I thought I was going in the right direction, but I was sincerely wrong. Maybe some of you remember the football game there several years ago. Jim Marshall of the Minnesota Vikings, he picked up a fumble. And he fought off his tackler's tooth and toenail all the way down to the touchdown. But the problem is he went across the wrong goal line. He was out there and he got disoriented, didn't know where he was at and which, which was the right goal. And he went in the opposite direction. And he thought he was going in the right direction. He thought he was sincere. But you know what? He was sincerely wrong. He crossed the wrong line and scored for the wrong team. The fact is, it takes more than just sincerity to make it in this life. It takes grounding yourself in some realism, grounding yourself in some truth. And that's why we're in a sermon series right now. We're calling it Grounded. You know, in our world, it seems like uh, we went through the industrial age and this great revolution. And then it seemed like we moved to the technology age. And it seems to me like we moved into another kind of era now in life, and that's the age of disinformation. 
because there's so much vast information out there at our fingertips and anybody can say anything they want to, they can post whatever they want and say whatever they want and there's so many crazy slogans and nice cheesy beliefs that people seem to embrace and, and they think it sounds good, it sounds uh, you know, kind of broad-minded, it sounds tolerant, it sounds all wonderful and fluffy, but as you stop and think about it and really really think about what you have just said, you realize it's self-refuting. It doesn't make any sense. And that's why we're in a sermon series right now, reminding everybody that it's time to get grounded in your faith. It's time to really understand what you believe and why you believe it. It's critical for your life because all the myths that are out there, so many people are operating their life on that really are erroneous and frivolous. Your beliefs have a fundamental impact upon your life. Nobody forces you to believe anything either. If you don't want to believe something, you don't have to. I mean, if you want to believe Elvis is alive, you can believe it. If you want to believe in the Loch Ness Monster, you can believe it. If you want to make, uh, you know, issue and say the moon is made out of cheese, then you can believe it or the world is flat. But you can't blame other people for your beliefs. You can't blame your parents. You can't blame your professors. You can't blame the institutions because they're not holding you hostage. You can drop the myths out of your life anytime you wish. It's a choice. And God even gives us a choice whether to believe in him or not. Now, as you look at the scripture, you know, Apostle Paul wrote that great book, that we call the book of Romans. And right in the beginning, as he's writing this wonderful theological uh, work, if you will, to us, he says in chapter 1, he says, instead of believing what uh, they knew as the truth about God, they deliberately chose to believe lies. Your beliefs are a choice, and I know a lot of people need to have their beliefs and the myths that they're operating on replaced because they determine how you act. In the Old Testament, there's a great text that we just read to you here in the book of Proverbs. And uh, I invite you to chew on that verse 23 that was read to you because it's a potent one. And it says this in the Old Testament there in Proverbs, Be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. Be careful how you think because your life is shaped by your thoughts. Everything you do has a conscious and unconscious belief wrapped around it. When you enter into the sanctuary today and you sat in the pew, you just kind of unconsciously knew the pew was going to hold you up. If you happen to go to lunch today after worship and you pick up a menu, you're probably going to order something because you believe it's going to taste mighty good when you get it. But it may not. I've been there. It's not always the greatest. The problem is your beliefs determine the way you act even when they're wrong. And for instance, if you believe you're clumsy, you're probably going to act clumsy. If you believe you are an unlovable kind of person, you're probably going to seem unlovable to those around you. You're not going to act that way. If you believe other people can't be trusted, you're probably going to look at other people with a great deal of suspicion. If you believe that God is unconcerned about your life, you're probably never going to pray. If you believe that God's out to get you, like many people seem to do these days, some type of cosmic sheriff that's going to give you the flu or COVID, well, then you're probably going to try to avoid God. I know I would try to avoid uh, a God like that. But the point is, even if your beliefs are wrong, they affect your behavior. 
And so we need to examine what we believe and know why we believe it. Another fact is false beliefs are sometimes damaging. Now, I like going through and going through the checkout and noticing all of the wonderful things they put on the impulse counters. You know, they're to try to squeeze another five bucks out of you or whatever. And there's always these great tabloids that are there, and they've got these uh, really hilarious, uh, uh, you know, headlines. And I, I love that National Enquirer. I never buy it, but, you know, you just kind of get uh, the headlines. And one of the times uh, <clears throat> they came out with this really wacky statement, and in fact, at the church, they cut it out and they put it on the refrigerator there in the, the staff lounge. And it says something like this, new discovery, fat prayers. Pray these prayers and the pounds will melt away. <laughs> so you get the point. There's our magazines like that. They have all kind of crazy stuff on them, but people actually embrace some of these things. And we say these things, we laugh at these things. They are funny, but they are myths and they are faulty beliefs that can really mess your life up. It used to be that people would say, I'll believe it when I see it. But we can't even say that anymore, can we? Because technology has now created this thing called virtual reality. Have you heard about that? Artificial intelligence and so forth. And it's a blend of fact and fiction. And so even if you see it, it doesn't mean it's true. You can't believe everything you see. Did you ever see Forrest Gump? TV and technology now have a blended fact and fiction into programming where everything is staged as if it appears real and live. What you believe, friends, really matters, especially in this day and age. How do you get to heaven? How do you make it? Well, it's not by simply being good. It's not by handing out 500 loaves of bread in the food pantry. It's not by showing up to take communion once in a while, and it's certainly not by giving to the United Way, but it's, according to the Bible, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And to fail to accept and follow the truth is to be separated from God. For Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so what you believe is critical. We call ourselves Christ followers. And Christ followers is a name with content. It's a name with content, something that says who you are and believes that you embrace and guide your life. Correct beliefs are necessary, but when it's all said and done, it's all really about having right relationship with God. It's not about having just the right data between the ears and, yeah, I have a mental assent to this and I think this is right, but it's about having a transformed heart that guides your life and leads you in your behaviors toward other people, namely to love God with all of your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, and to love your neighbor. A name is something that goes with what we believe, and it causes us to act in right ways. And Jesus' followers are defined by the beliefs and the commitment to live those out in this world. And keeping a good name means keeping a good creed. And a creed is a statement of belief. Creeds really save us from the short-term being and link us to the long-term past. And i got to tell you, as I grew up as a kid, I really felt like a lot of those creeds, I didn't appreciate the liturgy of the church. It just seemed so rigid, and it seemed so stale, and it just didn't, didn't seem relevant to me. But the 
older I got and the more I learned of why that was put together, that creed was actually formed, was because of some of the crazy ideas that came out in the world. And the Christians of that day were forming these creeds to make sure it was clear to everybody what we actually believe as Christian people. And so I want us to share yet again uh, another creed today that really encapsulates some of what we believe as historic Christian followers. The Nicene Creed came from the first global gathering of Christians there in that meeting all the way back in the era of 325 AD. The Council of Nicaea, it took them another 56 years to really solidify this creed that we're going to share in a moment at, at the Council of Constantinople. But it was often sung and it was often chanted, it was often shared at particular times in the church throughout history just to remind people of what we actually stand for and what it means to be a Christ follower. And the Nicene Creed added to the Apostles' Creed, which had been used even up until 325 AD, as they would share it at baptisms. When we had a baptism like we had today, they would often share it to remind people what we're about and what we stand for. And the Apostles' Creed was an answer to the historic movement of what we call Gnosticism, which was defined as Jesus not really being fully human. But the Nicene Creed responded to another heresy out there called Arianism, which denied that Jesus was fully divine. And Arius, at the time, popularized the idea that God, the supreme high being, could not maintain his true holiness. If he actually who he said he was and came to this earth in perfection, he, he could not get caught up in this mess of humanity, and therefore Jesus was only some type of divine agent. And for that, Arius became the namesake of the heresy we call Arianism. And there's a lot of that kind of thing going around, believe you me, in our day. And this is a highly simplified description that I have given you today, but I'm really seeking to answer Arius and others. The church here came up in the city of Nicaea back in 325 to try to point people back to what we actually believe the truth of the gospel. And to this day, it remains the most widely shared, maybe more so than the Apostles' Creed, great confessional statement in the church. And if you notice this creed that we're going to share, it's really fashioned around the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the attributes of each member of the Trinity is spelled out here. And these attributes can also be seen in answering some of the claims about the nature of God raised by the likes of Arius and others back in the time that were challenging what we were talking about when we said Jesus is Son. Jesus is identified here in this creed, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made of one being with the Father. And all of that language made it unmistakable, unmistakably clear that Jesus is not some secondary character here in the story and that he really was God who became truly human. And then similarly, the Holy Spirit is also spoken of here, no less than the Lord, the giver of life who proceeds from the Father and the Son. And again, not some secondary kind of figure, but of the same being as others. And the statement has remained in use ever since. So you're going to say, well, so what? Why do I need to know that? Because I want to say to you today, beliefs matter. What you embrace and how you live 
matters. And this Nicene Creed here affirms that we believe in the triune God who is one, and it matters what you believe. It matters, namely, that you embrace Jesus Christ as the Son of God. It matters that you believe in our triune God. We're shaped by it, and our lives are formed by this God in three persons, whether we can actually wrap our minds around the Trinity or not. And from these creeds, we define ourselves by what we know and how we act. What you believe matters. You know, most of our lives these days are behind a veil that we call a digital password. Now think about it. Just about everything these days, if you're uh, living in this world, on this planet, you got to have a password. If you're trying to uh, get on the, uh, the online newspaper, you got to have a password. If you're trying to get mailed your emails from others or pay your bills, you got to have a password. Seems like we need a password for everything these days. And uh, every year they compile this list of some of the crazy passwords that people use. And a lot of people, I guess, just don't take it serious. And so some of the top passwords will be password for your password. Others will be the numbers one, two, three, four, five, six. And so easy passwords that, you know, they kind of almost make fun of these standard winners. Uh, and it's either laziness or maybe it's fear that we're going to fail to remember some really important complex password that's going to get us into our bank account or whatever it happens to be. But security, we give something should be in keeping with its value, shouldn't it? How much more should we have a digital password for our heart? Think about it. You need to guard your heart. It's the source of well-being. It, it's, it's vitally important. It's the seat of decisive action, the very citadel of yourself. How much more should it be guarded? I tell you today, you can reset a hacked account. But a hacked heart? You can't easily fix that, friends. I've been years walking with other people, and I can tell you some of these crazy beliefs can really mess people up. And I ask you today what you believe. This book of Proverbs has given us a warning here, and it's given us some important advice. Solomon is sharing with us, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. And the reason you need to know what you believe and why you believe it is because it shapes your life. And if you don't know what you believe and why you believe it, then you're going to really be shaped by something you're not even aware of and wonder why everything is going awry. The Bible tells us that our beliefs determine our behavior and our vision determines our values and what we see determines what we sense. And so we need to know what we believe. I want to invite you to stand with me here and to join in one of the great creeds of our faith. It's 880 in the back of our hymnal today. One of these great affirmations of faith that really define us as Christ followers. And I invite you to join with me in this Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from light, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, 
Through him all things were made for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets, we believe in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. <laughs> 